Well, my name is Jerry. I am the campus pastor here in Carmel. And if you're new or visiting, um, Kevin and I, our staff, we would love to get to know you and meet you and help you take a next step in your journey with Jesus, no matter where you're at on that journey. And so what I would want to invite you to do is head to the Blue Tent after service. It's a great place to make that first connection. But let us know that you're here and let us know how we can help you take a next step, okay? Um, My wife, Casey, and I have four children that range in age from 15 down to eight. And our kids are living their best lives right now because they are on fall break. They've got one week down. They've got one week to go. They're two weekers. It's incredible. They said this week they've had a great first week. And this week, we're getting ready to go camping out of town with some really good friends of ours. And so we're really, really, really excited about that. And it reminded me that I have an app on my phone called Road Trippers. It looks like this. I don't know if you've ever heard of Road Trippers before, but Road Trippers is designed to help you take some strategic stops along the way so you can make memories on long trips. And Road Trippers will help you find things like scenic vistas so you can stop and enjoy the sights, national monuments, local treasures. And as my wife and I learned when we were traveling through Michigan this summer, it'll even point out haunted cemeteries. We didn't go. It was good to know where that was, so we didn't go in that direction. But it's got all that kind of stuff It's a really clever app. If you're looking for a great way to make some memories on your trips, you should do that. But I'm going to be honest with you. I've never actually used the app. I mean, I've used it, but never on a trip. Because when our family goes on a trip, I have one mission in mind. I want to get to where we're going as fast and efficiently and as safely as humanly possible. I do not want to stop along the way. The thought of making random trips along the way, random little stops, it triggers low-grade anxiety in me, and the worst version of me comes out. I'm going to have road rage against my family, against people on the road, and I'm going to tell you why. In fact, I'm just going to show you why, because the longer we linger, I'm convinced we're going to get cursed with this. The longer we wait and stop, we're going to get back on. We're going to be like, I knew it. I knew we shouldn't stop, guys. This is why you don't stop. You should, you should have gone to the bathroom before we left. We don't need to stop, right? We don't need gas. We just need to go, 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 because no one wants to hit traffic. No one wants to hit an unexpected detour, right? It's awful. Like I watched some of you cringe when you saw this picture. Does this make you anxious? You're trying to get out of town to have fun, okay? So we're not using road trippers. We're going to get to where we're going as fast as humanly possible because I've never met another human being that wants to sit in traffic or to take an unexpected detour. They have ruined family trips for centuries. We're going to avoid that. But here's the deal. Today, today we're going to look at a story from the, from the New Testament book of Acts. And one scholar says the story that we're looking at today could be considered one of the greatest detours in all of human history. And there's something that we need to learn from this story. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the New Testament book of Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. So you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the Gospels. They're like biographies of Jesus's life. And the book of Acts, honestly, I think is my favorite book in the entire scripture because it's a history book of the early church. It's what we're living out right now. The book of Acts tells us how the early church was formed, how it functioned, and how it grew. And so before we get to Acts chapter 16 to the story we're going to look at today, I want to bring you up to speed to what's happened in the first 15 chapters because some really important things had happened. The book of Acts begins with Jesus promising his disciples to send the Holy Spirit to live in them for one specific purpose. He says, you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit so you can be my witnesses. You can testify to my death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. And you're going to spread that message to the end of the earth. And by the end of Acts chapter two, that's exactly what had happened. 
the, the, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to preach boldly in the name of Jesus. Conf they, they were telling everyone, he died in your place. He's risen from the dead. He is the Messiah. And an amazing thing happens at the very end of Acts chapter 2. In one day, 3,000 people were baptized into the name of Jesus. The church explodes in growth. And by the end of chapter 4, we learn that 3,000 becomes 5,000. By Acts chapter 5, we learn that more and more men and women believed in the Lord and they were added to their number. In Acts chapter 11, it says the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. In Acts chapter 12, we learn that the word of the Lord continued to increase and spread. And all of this happened through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of normal people just like me and you people that had confessed their faith in Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit was transforming them and using them to spread the gospel message of Jesus. Now, by the time we get to Acts chapter 13, we meet a man, his name is Saul. His name is gonna be changed to Paul. And in Acts chapter seven, Saul had a face-to-face -face encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And, in, and up to that point, Saul had been murdering Christians but after meeting Jesus in his resurrected state, Saul moves to being a follower of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 13, he is in the process of becoming the greatest missionary to ever live. And in Acts chapter 13 and 14, we learn that he starts going on missionary journeys. Now, this is just this map shows us the four missionary journeys that Paul went on. And he left the city of Jerusalem and he single-handedly started spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the Roman Empire. You'll notice there's four journeys here that are color-coded and he didn't have a car or a plane. This was by foot, I guess maybe by camel or by boat. He covered, this was the rest of his life's mission was to spread the good news of Jesus everywhere he went. He was planting churches all along the way and in Acts chapter 14, we learn because of Paul's missionary efforts, a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. And at the end of Acts 14, we read, the good news was preached and they won a large number, number of disciples to Jesus. It was a really exciting time in the life of the early church because normal people, Jews and non-Jews alike, were putting their faith in Jesus and they were spreading this word. And here's what's really cool. The church became very diverse it was just Jewish people. Well, now it was non-Jewish people made up of all different cultural backgrounds. And that was amazing. That's the way God had always intended it to be. But there was one really big problem. There was a very serious cultural divide between Jewish and non-Jewish believers. Jewish followers of Jesus in this day felt very strongly, many of them, that non-Jewish people like me and you, if you're non-Jewish like me, we would have to convert to Judaism first, and then we could become a follower of Jesus. And this led to a very important meeting that's become known as the Jerusalem Council. And we read all about it in Acts chapter 15. And at the Jerusalem Council, you had people like Paul, the early church fathers, Paul the apostle, Peter, who was Jesus's right-hand man when he was alive, the other disciples, and even Jesus's little brother, a man named James, they all came together to decide how they were gonna deal with this particular issue. And at the Jerusalem council, they settled on this core Christian belief that God does not distinguish between cultural backgrounds the way that you and I do. And so here's what they settled on. They said the message of the gospel is for everyone. It's everyone is saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Now we know that. We preach that every single weekend. 
but I don't think we can really appreciate the, the momentous decision that this was on the global church as a whole. And so here's what happened. Paul had already made one missionary journey, planting churches all around the Mediterranean Rim. And now he's, he's armed with this new information that, hey, look, Jews and non-Jews, our goal is to have uniformity, unity. I'm sorry, not uniformity, unity and harmony around the name of Jesus. And so Paul launches off on a second missionary journey. He's going to go back to the churches that he's planted to, ha- to help them have unity in Jesus. And in Acts chapter 16, we get a brief overview of what this second missionary journey for Paul looks like. It says this, as they traveled from town to town, they, Paul and his traveling companions, delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. Now listen to this, verse five. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew in number daily. They were strengthened in the faith and they grew in numbers daily. Can you imagine how exciting it must have been to be a part of this early church movement? Normal people, just like me and you, being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to spread the message of Jesus and people from all over were putting their faith in a Jewish Messiah that they had never met in person, but they believed and they were encountering him by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the message of the book of Acts. All of this is happening by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about the rest of you. I'm guessing you're like me. I would love to see Genesis Church experience this, being strengthened in the faith and growing in numbers daily. Not just for Genesis Church, but for the church of Jesus as a whole. We're not the only church. We're united with other churches in the name of Jesus. And when we talk about growing in numbers daily, I want want you to understand what this looks like. We're not talking about a bigger attendance number on a Sunday or at one specific location. That'd That'd be great, but that's just a byproduct of real gospel-centered growth. When we talk about growing in numbers and strengthening in the faith, we're talking about more and more people confessing their faith in Jesus, more and more people being baptized into him, more and more people being empowered by the Holy Spirit to spread the gospel message everywhere they go, more and more people serving in our community in the name of Jesus, more and more people being empowered by the Holy Spirit and being generous everywhere they go so that people are drawn to Jesus. More and more people connecting outside of a Sunday morning, connecting in small groups on campuses and in cafes and in homes to study scripture together and to pray together and to share their life together. That's what real gospel-centered growth looks like. And I know you want that as bad as I do. And so here's a question. What can we do to get to experience this? What What would it look like for us to see people strengthened in the faith and for our church and churches around here to grow in numbers daily? It's a really important question. And in order to answer it specifically today, I want to look at what happened to the Apostle Paul next, because that was what he was all about. And what happens to him next is what can teach us how we can help live this out, but it might not be in the way that we anticipate. Now, up to this point in time, Paul's missionary journeys had been wildly successful. He was planting churches everywhere around the Mediterranean Rim, And it was exciting, but look at what happens in verses six through eight. Paul hits some unexpected traffic. In verse six, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and they went down 
to Troas. Now, I realize if you're like me and your geography of that part of the world isn't very good, that's okay. Me too. But there's actually a more important lesson uh, instead of all the places. Here's what we learn. The same Holy Spirit that had empowered them and guided them and led them was now not allowing them to go in the direction that they had wanted to go. The same Holy Spirit that was with them and guiding them said, no, I'm sorry, you can't go there yet. And we don't know what this looks like. We don't know if Paul heard an audible voice that said, stop, don't go. We don't know if there was a disagreement among the group. We don't know if for some reason that their safety was threatened. We really don't know. The best explanation that I have personally heard was that at that time in the Roman Empire, you're not going to believe this, they had discovered this amazing invention called the roundabout, and they were building roundabouts on all the Roman roads. But instead of building them one at a time, they said, we got a great idea. Let's just build them all at the same time. And traffic was gridlocked. I'm making all this up, right? Traffic was gridlocked everywhere. Now, we live in Hamilton County. It seems like they're building them all at the same time, right? And the only road they had was this road that would lead them to Troas. Well, that's not the case, but here's what we do believe. Paul was trying to get down here to the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was a very important, influential city within the Roman Empire. It, was, it's, it would be similar to like New York City or Los Angeles. Paul, they're up here. He's trying to get down here, but the Holy Spirit will not allow them to. In fact, they're going to actually go in a completely different <clears throat> direction. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit said, you can't, you can't, you can't go there. Now, I want to pause and I want us to put ourselves in this story for a moment. I want you to imagine that you're Paul or you're one of his traveling companions and you really want to get to this really important city. Because if, if the gospel can infiltrate the city of Ephesus, there's no telling what could happen. What do you think it felt like for them to all of a sudden hit traffic and not know what to do next? Well, since Paul is like the rest of us, I'm going to guess that he was pretty disappointed. You had all this momentum. It seemed pretty clear what you were supposed to do. I'm going to guess he was probably discouraged also. Like it doesn't make sense. We, we're having all this success. Did we do something wrong? Like, God, is there something you're trying to tell us? We're parked in traffic and we don't know where to go. Doesn't that just feel like life a lot? Maybe for some of you students, you, you feel this. You started a brand new school year. Last year was so bizarre and you were ready to start back, one, because you had to, but you thought, I'm gonna make the most of it and, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make good grades and I'm gonna make new friends. But so far, things have not gone the way that you had planned. School's harder than you anticipated and you're trying to fit in, but everything is just so weird and, and you just feel like you don't fit in and, and you're just stuck in a parking lot somewhere. Maybe you've planned a promising career and things looked good for a while, but now you're, you feel stuck in a job that appears to be a dead end. You're going the wrong way down a one-way street and you, you feel trapped. You, you, you think, I'm just stuck here. What, what am I going to, what am I going to do? Or maybe you said, I do. And you were all excited about marriage but your marriage is really struggling and you don't know where the next turn's going to take you. And again, you just, you feel stuck. You're scared. You're uncertain. Or maybe you thought you'd be married by now. And the fact that you're single, it kind of haunts you a little bit. And you wonder like, is there something wrong with me? And you're, you're second guessing everything about yourself. You feel like you don't fit in anywhere. That's just life. That's how life works for us. We plan to go in this direction. 
But sometimes we get stuck in traffic. We're stuck at a long stoplight. We want to go this way and there's no way to proceed. Well, we should find some level of encouragement because the Apostle Paul, who was committed to taking the word of God to all these new places, even he got stopped from time to time. And we have, we have like almost 2,000 years of hindsight. We can read the story, and be like, but we know how it ends. But for Paul and his traveling companions, it was not clear. It was hard. They were trying to figure this thing out on the fly. But here's the thing for Paul and his friends that I think we need to learn from in this story. They were parked in traffic. They, they, were, they were in a traffic jam, but all of a sudden God says, I want to take you on a specific detour. Look at verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, we do not know how much time had passed here. We don't know what was going on. All we know is that Paul had a vision. I don't know if it was a dream. I don't know. We don't know if an angel spoke to him. But what we do know is that he woke up and he said to his traveling companions, I feel like it's time for us to go in a different direction. We've tried that way that he said, no, we tried this way. He said, no, let's try going to the north, to Macedonia. And so they take the detour. Look at verse 11 and 12. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And we went on to Neapolis, verse 12. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there for several days. Now, I want to show you this on a map so you can kind of get a familiar with where they were going. They're up here. They're here. They want to get down here. But this is Macedonia. And they end up in this city of Philippi. Now, we learn from this verse that Philippi was a Roman colony. And a Roman colony... Uh, they set these up all throughout the empire. They were kind of on the outskirts. They served as an outpost to exemplify and maintain a Roman, <clears throat> a Roman presence far from the Roman capital and to help the Roman emperor mandated Roman citizens to live there, especially retired military personnel. The whole point was it was a Rome away from Rome. It was a way to have Rome's influence far away. So here's our point. Even though Philippi wasn't a big bougie city like Ephesus, it was still a really influential place for the gospel to spread. And as you read the rest of Acts 16, here's what you'll discover. With the Holy Spirit's help, Paul and his friends take the detour and they begin sharing their faith and people come to faith in Jesus. And in the process, Paul gets arrested for sharing his faith. He ends up in prison, but while he's in prison, he shares his faith with the jailer and the jailer and his entire family begin following Jesus. They're baptized into Christ. Paul starts a church in Philippi. And then if you fast forward through time, several years later, Paul would write a letter to the church in Philippi to instruct them. And guess what? That is the New Testament book of Philippians that we're going to be reading in a couple of weeks. And in God's goodness, he eventually allowed Paul to take another detour down to Ephesus where he was able to plant a church and, and, and help people there discover who Jesus is. But here's the point that I think we can learn from this little passage of scripture square in the middle of the book of Acts. We need to be open. We need to be like Paul and his friends and learn how to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes when we're parked in traffic, he wants to take us on a detour. 
And I want to encourage you sometime this week, go back and read the story for yourself. You need to investigate the, the, the details for yourself, but I want to stop right here and I want us to ask a couple of really important questions. Do you feel in your life somewhere, can you identify a place where you feel parked and stuck? And it, it could be in your career, it could be in your neighborhood, it could be in your marriage, it could be in relationships with your kids or your parents. I think we all probably have a place where we feel stuck, but here's a more important question. Where is the Holy Spirit wanting to lead you on a detour because you're stuck? Where might he be calling you to go and have influence for him? Because if there's anything, if there's anything at all we can learn from the book of Acts, it's this, that God has sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of followers of Jesus to empower us to accomplish his purposes, not ours, for his glory, not ours. Now, don't, don't miss this. Jesus promised his disciples, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you in power. And he says, you're going to be my witnesses. He did not say, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you in power, and you are promised to have a really awesome career and a perfect family and a huge 401k. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you so you will have power to testify to my name, to be my witnesses everywhere you go. Throughout the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 56 different times. And here's why this is important for us. The author of Acts is letting us know, he's making it abundantly clear that God in his goodness never intended to leave the early church all by themselves to figure things out. He gave them the Holy Spirit to guide them and to lead them. They couldn't take credit for everything that was happening. That's why the Holy Spirit's power is mentioned so often. He lovingly and specifically empowered them to accomplish his, his, his purposes through the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The same that was true for them is true for us. And sometimes the leadings of the Holy Spirit say go. He says, I want you to go and do this thing. And when he says go, you know what we need to do? We need to obey. Regardless of how we feel about it, we need to go and obey. But sometimes the message isn't go. Sometimes it's no. Or not yet. Or not them. Or not there. I want you to go over here instead. And so I can't help but wonder how many of us are parked in traffic somewhere and we're frustrated. We've got a place that we want to go, plans that we've made, but we're just not able to get there. That's the way life works. It is frustrating. It is maddening. But what if? What if the Holy Spirit is just waiting for you to listen to him, waiting for me to listen to him so he can take us on a detour with him. And so, yes, maybe you desperately want a new job. There's nothing wrong with wanting to change careers or get a new job. But what if the Holy Spirit is saying, not yet. I have you right where you are to accomplish my purposes and my timing. I just want you to hang with me. Or maybe you're really comfortable where you are. Maybe in your quiet moments, you'd have to admit, I'm a little bored. Well, what if the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I want to call you out to something new, something different? And this doesn't have to be a work thing. It might be a neighbor that needs your help. It might be a family member that is waiting on a call from you. It could be a child that needs your attention. 
I don't think we have to overcomplicate it. I think he's calling us to do lots of things. Or here's, here's a scary one. Maybe you have a really clear plan mapped out for your life. Maybe you're retired or you're close to retirement and things look really good. Or you're working towards retirement and it's looking promising. But maybe the Holy Spirit says, that's really, that was your plan. That's not my plan. You know the funny thing about these detours? They're not detours for him. They're detours for us. He already has things planned that he wants to accomplish through us. He is just waiting for us to obey. Here's another thing to consider. According to the New Testament, the Holy Spirit has divinely empowered followers of Jesus with gifts, talents, and abilities that we are to use to build up the church and to advance the message of the gospel. Not for our glory, but for his. And if you're like me, you probably know that. But how many of you would be willing to agree or to admit, yeah, but I'm just afraid of what he's going to ask me to do. I'm a little scared. I don't know how to take the first step. Or what if we were really honest and we just admitted, I'm just so distracted with everything else in life. I'm really not listening well. Or I'm just too selfish. I don't want to sacrifice my time. I don't want to sacrifice my gifts. I want God to meet me where I am. I want you to listen to what Jesus said to his disciples in his final meal with them, hours before he was arrested and crucified. He says this, if you love me, keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you and later he will be in you. Fascinating fact about this passage, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all mentioned and they work together in unison. And Jesus says, if you obey me, I will send the Spirit to live in you. I will ask the Father to send you the Spirit. But Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. And by the way, he says, I will send you the Holy Spirit to help you obey me. I don't know if you know this or not, but on our own, we cannot obey God on our own. We need the Holy Spirit's help. And we can't be bold without the Holy Spirit's help. We can't be joyful, truly joyful, without the Holy Spirit's help. So what would it look like for every one of us that consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus to begin to put this into practice. And where, and where do we begin? Well, let's look back at Paul's life for a second because there's some really simple lessons that we can learn. For starters, for Paul, Paul studied God's word for guidance and he prayed to God for direction. If you know anything about Paul's life, he studied God's word for guidance and he prayed to God for direction. We see it in this story. When one door closed, he didn't give up. He kept waiting and he kept praying. And so when, when another door opened, he took it. But we also know that Paul never traveled alone. He never went on a missionary journey by himself. He always had somebody there with him. He surrounded himself with other followers of Jesus that were helping him discern God's will for his life and for their lives. And this is why we think it is so important and so critical for people within the church to have a smaller group outside of a Sunday morning where you're reading scripture with people and you're praying with one another. You're sharing your life together because as followers of Jesus, we are not meant to travel alone. And you've heard me say this before. I'm really thankful to be a part of two of these groups. I meet with a group of men on Wednesday mornings at a Panera really close to here. And we're really thankful to have a group of young 20-somethings that meet in our house on Thursday nights. And we always start the same way, both of these groups. 
We start by enjoying one another, catching up on life. Then we pray for one another. Hey, what's, God, what's going on in your life? How can we pray? How can we encourage you? Then we jump into scripture. And then we just hang out for the rest of our time together as much as it's allowed. If you're not in a group like that, I think you're, I think you're missing out. You're missing out on sharing your life and having people carry your burdens with you. And we would love to help you find one of those groups. You can go to the blue tent in the lobby after service. You can go to our website, genesischurch.me groups. But find a smaller group where you can travel through life with some people. So Paul never traveled alone, but he also practiced obedience to the Holy Spirit. If you study his life, not just in Acts 16, throughout the rest of the book of Acts, he practiced this. And you know what? It was really, really hard. And things did not always go the way that he intended. But if you read through the rest of the book of Acts, you learn he got really good at obeying the Holy Spirit to the point that other people are like, I think you're crazy. And he's like, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. That's what this looks like. Here's something that's really interesting about Paul. Before he was a follower of Jesus, he was highly educated in the scriptures. That's a good thing, right? You know what he did with his education? He used it to murder people that did not believe like him. But once he started following Jesus and was empowered by the Holy Spirit, guess what happened? It changed the way he viewed the scriptures. And he started using those same scriptures to share about the love of God and the good news that comes through Jesus. So what would it look like for us to begin to live our lives like that? I say begin. It's not that we're not, but like we, sometimes we just need to readjust the way that we're living. I want to share a story of what I do think this looks like. Uh, there's a good friend of mine here at, in, in the Genesis family that shared with me in the lobby last week. He was so encouraged by Paul's message last week uh, about praying for boldness. He said, Jerry, can I just tell you something that has happened in my life recently? And he's like, it's exciting. I said, sure, tell me about it. And he said, during my lunch break, I like to go to the fashion mall and walk for exercise. And he said, I was walking the other day. And while I was walking, I saw a couple get in a fight in the middle of the mall. This woman was just screaming at her husband. And she stormed off and the husband sat down on a bench. And my friend said, it was awful. Like I wanted to die for him. I just wanted to get out of there. And he said, I was trying to avoid it, but I felt a prompting to go and sit next to that man. And he said, and I didn't want to, but the next thing I knew, I was sitting down on the bench and I looked over at this guy and he said, how are you? Are you okay? And the guy said, yeah, I'm okay. The problem is my wife wants to spend money that we really don't have on things we really can't afford. And my buddy made a joke and he's like, I get it. I'm married too. It's hard, isn't it? And they, they kind of chuckled. And then he said, but then Jerry, I felt like this prompting, I'm supposed to pray for this guy. And he's like, I didn't really want to do it. But he said, hey, would you mind if I prayed for you? I think he said, actually, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. Would you mind if I pray for you? And the guy next to him said, sure, but I'm a Muslim. And all of a sudden my friend was like, oh my gosh, like this just went from bad to worse. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do this? But you know what he did? He was obedient. And he prayed for this guy in the name of Jesus. And when they were done, the guy looked at him and said, thank you. I, I really needed that today. That sounds like a detour to me. But my friend was willing to share his faith. Even though he wanted to leave, he was willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. Think about how many people in our world have not been prayed for in the name of Jesus. That's what it looks like, you guys. That's what he's calling us to on our street, in the office, with our kids, with our spouses, everywhere we go. 
If you are a follower of Jesus, we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit's voice so we can go wherever he's calling us to go. If you're not yet following Jesus, you might wonder, I've never heard the Holy Spirit's voice. Well, it's because he doesn't live inside of you yet. The writers of the New Testament and Jesus make it very clear. The way that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit is through faith by admitting that you're a sinner, that you've damaged your relationship with your heavenly father. And when you put your faith in him, you're forgiven of all of your sins. You are restored with your heavenly father. And Jesus says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so as we wrap up today, we're gonna sing a song that we sang a little earlier that's focused all on the Holy Spirit's power in our life. But I wanna invite you, if you need to pray with someone today for boldness, if you need to pray with someone today for direction, our staff's gonna be up here along the front rows. We would love to pray with you. And I had some of you say to me a few weeks ago, I really wanted to do that, but I was just too afraid. The best first step you could take is just by stepping out in boldness and saying, hey, will you help me? Will you pray for me? So we're gonna be down here. We'd love to pray with you. But as we go today, let's listen to the Holy Spirit. Let's go where he is leading and let's see where he leads us. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We need your guidance. We are not meant to do this by ourselves. I'm so thankful of the example of the New Testament that says through faith in Jesus, we receive you as God's gift to us. Would you empower us? Would you help us to be bold? And I just wanna pray for our church family that you would take us on detours and we would get to see amazing things happen. We would see the church strengthened in faith and growing in numbers daily for your glory and not for ours. I pray for anyone in here that needs to either receive Christ or to just have someone pray with them that they would be bold and they would come forward today. They wouldn't worry about what anyone else would say. They would take a step. Holy Spirit, they would listen to your voice and respond in obedience. Would you help us collectively to do just that? Jesus, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Come forward if you'd like to pray.